And so we would, you know, think, how can we reach more of the student population? So one of the ideas that I came up with, this is maybe more in my comfort zone, is why I say like the complementary skills, but um, I had some business cards made on magnets, like refrigerator magnets. And I just went by myself, like door to door on student housing, like at the student housing and I was just like hey my husband and I started a company like, I have a refrigerator magnet for you welcome to Babson Built where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs people who have tried failed and tried again they're the change makers the disruptors the hustlers and the builders these are their stories Hey everyone, my name is Alex and I am a Babson MBA and I sat down with Ashley and Jerry Taylor of Taylor Custom Rings, which sells engagement rings and focuses on lab created diamonds. I really love the passion that Ashley and Jerry bring to their business and I think they also have a really interesting perspective being a husband and wife team and building their business while also building a family. So why don't we just start by, uh, tell us a little bit about what is Taylor Custom Rings? What are you, what are you guys selling? How long have you been around? For sure. Uh, we sell engagement rings primarily, um, custom engagement rings, and we focus on lab-grown diamonds and recycled gold. So it's, it's a really fun business. We've been working on it for three, almost three and a half years, and Jerry's been in the industry for, feels like forever. 15 or so. 15 years. I worked in a retail store for about 12 years before just we decided to venture off and start our own thing, so we've been at it about three and a half years, it's been a lot of fun. But we've always kind of wanted to be entrepreneurs, I think, like that's kind of something we've always been looking towards, so even though it took a little while. Awesome. That helps explain why we're here. Totally. No, I hear that. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the, the inspiration behind Taylor Custom Rings. I mean, so you were in the industry, but why maybe did you did you get in the industry in the first place? And how did you really know that you wanted to make that leap? Getting into the, into the industry was just chance, really. I was at school, out of money, needed a job. So I you know, opened up the classifieds and saw a sales position at a jewelry store. And it looked, you know, like the potentially best paying job available at the time. So I decided <laughs> to apply. I had actually just finished a summer of, of door-to-door sales and hated it. So I had kind of sworn off the whole sales thing, but um, reluctantly went in and applied for this job and ended up really falling in love with this company that I eventually ended up working for. And they did things really differently. It was more relaxed, not high-pressure sales, so I fit in well. I worked there for, like I mentioned, uh, about 12 years. And originally, I was in school to go, I was going to be a dentist. So my undergrad is actually in exercise science. Hmm. And about a year into working at this jewelry store, I just kind of fell in love with the industry. And my boss was really cool about involving me in the supply chain and business decisions and just got me hooked. Nice. Um, as, as time went on, you know, things like Amazon took off, Pinterest, and so more and more people were coming in with online quotes to compare with, and we were losing a lot of sales to online stores. 
and boutique type purchasing like Etsy. And lots and lots of people were wanting to do custom rings. So instead of going into the store and picking from a stock selection, they really wanted to create something unique that was their own thing. So I, start, I saw this trend um, really pick up steam and some things happened in that business that kind of changed our, our plans and our view and we decided to, to just try to capitalize on this trend, the custom ring trend and the online purchasing trend. So we decided it was a good time to jump into it. So we did. So what about the process of actually designing and, and crafting the rings? I mean, who, who does that? So we have, we have partnered with really talented people. Actually, we've, one thing that I've done that I was kind of in charge of at my old job at the retail store, um, just to give a little backstory, when I started, we didn't offer custom rings at all. So people that would come in wanting to design their own ring, it was just like, cross your fingers and hope they pick out something that they see, <laughs> otherwise they left. Mm-hmm. And as that demand increased, um, I became really interested in figuring out a way that we could offer that. So I spent probably five or six years um, kind of chipping away at a, a manageable solution for a retail store to be able to offer really high-end custom jewelry to those customers. Um, and so I made a lot of really great contacts through that through that process and have continued to do that. But right now we have a design team that handles our um, digital design. So before we make a ring, we'll actually do a photorealistic rendering of the ring. Mm-hmm. And if I showed you pictures, you'd probably think it was a finished piece. Wow. They're that. That's good. awesome. So our designers are incredible. So we can show the customer exactly what their ring is going to look like before it's done. It's a lot easier to change in the digital stage. Than, <laughs> yeah. And it's really fun, really fun for the customers to be a part of, of that step, to be able to really build it how they want. So I have a design team that, um, that handles that work. And then once the design is all approved... We have a manufacturing partner actually in Chicago mm-hmm. that handles the manufacturing. We have a goldsmith um, in Provo in Utah that handles repairs and things like that for our local customers there. But most of our manufacturing happens in Chicago. Got it. Very cool. So how long does that process take generally on average for, for a fully custom project? So we've whittled that down a lot. So like when I started doing this years ago, if we could get a ring done in eight weeks, it was a celebration. Mm-hmm. And now we have it down to basically two weeks or less. Wow. So, in fact, last week, it was pretty fun. We had a customer text on Monday saying, hey, I want to propose on Friday. This is the general idea that I have. <laughs> so, we, so we started that process on Monday, and we delivered his finished ring on Thursday for him. And That's he proposed incredible. on Friday. So we can do rush things like that, too. But for the most part, it's about it. That's pretty amazing, though, really. Like, if you think about it. Yeah. With shipping and everything. Yeah, and then in the last couple of years, Labyrinth Diamonds have been a thing since the 50s. But they've primarily been used for industry, like drill bits and things like that on oil rakers. But in the last five years, especially, the, the technology has improved to where scientists can make an actual 100% genuine diamond, gem quality, in the lab. And to the consumer, they're about 30 to 40% less expensive mm-hmm. because they're not controlled by the big monopolies mm-hmm. in, the, in the industry. We won't name names. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the really empowering thing and exciting thing and the thing that the consumers respond to the most is the 
the social impact mm -hmm. and the environmental impact. Lab-grown diamonds are really exciting because they require a little bit of electricity to grow. Mm -hmm. That's it. So there's no big, huge holes in the ground. And there's also no human exploitation. And the diamond industry, while it has improved drastically over the last few decades, has been absolutely marred by human exploitation. It's really a tragic story. So we're really excited about the, the decision that we've made to move to selling only lab-grown diamonds. Mm -hmm. So when we launch our new website, mine diamonds won't even be an option mm -hmm. on our website. So we're, we're really excited about getting behind that 100%. We're looking into several organizations that we can partner with to donate proceeds to, 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 to try to go into these communities that have been ravaged by the diamond mm -hmm. industry and help them rebuild and find alternative forms of making uh, income. So there's, there's a lot of social cause that we're really excited about. And so, it's, so for the consumer, it's great to save um, yeah. or get a bigger, nicer diamond, but there's a lot of meaning and impact that mm -hmm. goes with that purchase, which we're really excited to, um, to change. That's so. really cool. I mean, it, it seems like a real win-win. I mean, it's cheaper for the consumer. It's better for the environment. It's a social impact. I mean, is that, so is that something that you guys really want to get behind in terms of your brand? I mean, is that, if you had to describe your brand, do, do you bring it to that level where... Yeah, we would love when, when people hear our name, Tio Custom Rings, if they their next thought was Lab Run Diamonds, mm -hmm. we would love that. So we, we definitely want want to tie our brand to that messaging for sure. It's an exciting time for Lab Run Diamonds because in July, the FTC ruled that Labhorn diamonds have the same optical and chemical and physical properties as mine diamonds, and they shouldn't be, you know, marked by any of these kind of qualifying marketing terms. Mm. But the diamonds are diamonds, mm. basically, and so that was a huge win for for the Labhorn diamond industry because some people, you know, again, you don't have to name names, but you know who benefits most if. You know, labyrinth diamonds are devalued and, and cheapened. Mm. And, you know, it's not the broader world. It's, you know, those who are selling earth-mined diamonds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think in order to make this impact, consumers really have to be thinking critically for themselves. And, like, I think it's an exciting time because I, I think we're getting better as consumers at thinking for ourselves, the top-down marketing doesn't really work as much mm -hmm. on us anymore. <laughs> and we're getting smarter, and I think we're caring more. Like, we're caring more about the planet. We're caring more about people that we may not know, but who are part of the, the products that we're purchasing. And so I just, like, when I look at our kids, I just think our kids and our grandkids as a society, like, they're not going to want to buy these harmful products, mm -hmm. you know? I think that they're only going to want background diamonds but that's kind of I mean, it's the diamond of the future so it's kind of exciting there's a, a huge piece you know education around background diamonds is I think a big part of our marketing and our helping people understand that they do have a choice and that it's kind of an easy one <laughs> if you know there are a few great companies that have pioneered this space so we're not the first mm -hmm. but we are, in a way, maybe a little too early on this because mm -hmm. the average consumer doesn't know about lab-grown diamonds. Probably 99% of the diamonds that we have sold over the last two years have been lab-grown. 
but maybe only 5% of those people knew about it going into the process. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that we've taken upon ourselves to educate our customers about and give them the choice. And like I mentioned, the overwhelming majority choose LabGrown once they know about it. But it's a it's going to be a big undertaking to to try to push that information out to the world because the you know the big diamond conglomerates have done a, a really a brilliant job no pun intended <laughs> at marketing and creating this this idea that um, you know a diamond from the earth if you don't give your future wife this um, diamond that comes from the earth then you've somehow cheapened the experience and um, and that's what we're pushing against and it'll take a lot of a lot of time a lot of work a lot of money but that's we're really excited about it we believe that it's it's worth it so yeah Very we cool. really believe that that diamond if it's a symbol of your love then that love should extend to other people and to the earth too right it has to be worthy of the kind of love that you want in that relationship and we have a lot of i've made very good friends um, that have become almost like family that are very involved in the mine diamond industry. So it's not one one thing that I think is important for us to add is that the mine diamond industry as a whole, um, sure it has its problems, it has its history, but it's also doing a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of you know really incredible companies that are trying to change the way that things have been done. And so we're not we're not trying to disparage anyone who's involved in the mine diamond industry and our you know past partners that have really um, you know, helped us with with what we've done. Um, we we still see the value that they um, that they offer, but there's there's this myth that somehow labyrinth diamonds are going to displace all of these employees in this industry. Mm. Um, and really, that's that's not true because once a diamond is grown in a lab, it still has to be cut and polished. Mm. So the majority of the people working in the industry now are are working in that. From that process on, and so as labyrinth diamonds increase in popularity and in supply, those people will still have jobs. They can still do what they're doing. They'll just be cutting and polishing and selling and brokering labyrinth diamonds instead of mine diamonds. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This spring, the Blank Center will present its new venture competition, the Beta Challenge, which recognizes Babson businesses for taking action. Join the Babson community on Thursday, April 11th at the Beta Challenge finale and watch the top alumni and student teams compete for more than $200,000 in cash and prizes. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash beta challenge. So I just can't resist going back to kind of the design piece a little bit because yeah. so, you're doing that, right? So you're designing these rings in, in part for some of them. Yeah. Can so you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. A couple of years ago when we decided that we did want to have a website and have some finished, you know, designs already up there, it, it's kind of a funny story because when you start a business, you're doing everything, mm-hmm. right? You're wearing all the hats. You're so busy. You, you know, you just. There's always like a hundred things you know you need to be doing, but you just don't have time to do. So it's it's kind of that struggle of, of the beginning entrepreneur. But so one of the things that Jerry had been telling me that he wanted to do was to create about 20 designs 
to put up on the website. And I've been hearing him say this, but of course, you know, always takes the backseat to current sales and, you know, the more urgent things. So one day I was just like, hey, let's just set aside an hour and, and draw. And like, both of us are kind of artistically inclined. And so we did. We set aside some time and started drawing and, and uh, working on these designs. And I just got addicted. Like, I couldn't <laughs> stop. Um, but I did it, like, kind of while he wasn't looking. And so, later... <laughs> all, of, all the designs I came up with in that hour were just garbage. <laughs> so, I was frustrated because I had just spent an hour and got nowhere. And so I just went back to <laughs> what I was doing. And a few hours later, Ashley comes kind of bouncing into the room with this pile of papers. She's like, hey, throws them down on the desk and says, there's your 20 rings. And I'm looking through them, and they're amazing. Wow. <laughs> she really has a gift for it. So that's how, that's how that started, and she's, uh, she's continued on with that. I even named them, huh? You did. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, I think I've kind of fallen in love with the artistic side mm-hmm. of the business. Um, it's an industry that I never thought I would really work in, like I guess if you'd asked me when I was younger. But um, the artistic side of it is really, really fun being able to use your creativity and I think that's one of the things that our customers love is being part of that design mm. process and making something you know that's brand new that's unique to them totally well what a blessing that you guys have you know you've figured out complementary kind of roles there right and sure <laughs> another one of the, another example of that <laughs> so um we have I don't know we did a lot of guerrilla marketing in the beginning you know like handing out ice cream, we were, we were working, where we lived before, we were right off campus in a big college where a lot of people were getting married, and so we would, you know, think, how can we reach more of the student population, so one of the ideas that I came up with, this is maybe more in my comfort zone, is why I say, like, the complementary skills, but um, I had some business cards made on magnets, like refrigerator magnets, and I just went by myself, like, door-to-door on student housing, like, at the student housing. And I was just like, hey, my husband and I started a company. Like, I have a refrigerator magnet for you. And it was so funny because in the beginning, I brought candy. I'm like, everybody loves candy. Like, these kids will love it. <laughs> and then I quickly learned that they actually loved the magnet more. They <laughs> were kind of confused by the candy, but the magnet they could get behind. So I just kind of, you know throwing myself out there, pitching all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we actually got some great like referral chains from that, which was fun. But the part that I thought was really fun was like, I don't know, in college, if you stick something on the fridge, like, does it ever really come down? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the question. <laughs> I'm like thinking, here's our permanent advertising we're just going to put in every apartment. Yeah, we're going to be getting calls in years from <laughs> because this... <laughs> they saw our fridge magnets. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. We might. Like long after you guys close the doors <laughs> on the shop, it'll still be. It's really smart though, magnets. I mean, and uh, it just speaks to that hustle, right? Where you're just early on, you're just going for it. I think that's why it was one of my favorite experiences because it just really yeah. felt like, I don't know, just hitting the pavement and just making it happen. Mm-hmm. And she, the way that she felt after doing that is the exact opposite of how I would feel. Like, we, we used to go set up a little table and we'd bring, you know, like, 20 gallons of ice cream and we just scoop ice cream cones for students as they walk by and give them our business card. 
And I was always really nervous to do that. And it just, I'm, I have a little bit of social anxiety mm-hmm. that way. And Ashley's the exact opposite. So when you talk about complementing mm-hmm. um, strengths, that's definitely one of them. So she's been able to do things that I just would put at the bottom of my list. Like I'd do them if I absolutely had to, but she's just, you know, out knocking doors having a blast. It really is fun for me. I know that's weird, but mm-hmm. like I would come home really energized. Yeah. Woo, yeah. <laughs> talk to all these people. <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I love people. I love it. So what would you say is your definition of success? Or I mean, if you guys found it, are you there, are you there or are you really reaching for another level that you're aspiring to with, with the business? That's a great question. I think when I think about success, the starting point for me, well, the easy thing to think of is, is money. Mm-hmm. Like, are you making money? How much money are you making? What are your goals financially? Um, so that's, that's an easy thing to, to think about and to track. But long before we started our company, we'd have these long conversations about being an entrepreneur. And it started because some of the people that we admired most were business owners. They were entrepreneurs. And they, it seemed to breed this type of individual that we wanted to become. So I think when I think about success, it's becoming that person. So if someone ever looked at me and said, I want to be like Jerry because of A, B, and C, and I think I could tie those things back to the business and being an entrepreneur. So if I, if I reached that point, I think that would be a huge success, a huge success for me. But every day, you know, I, I can't downplay the, the financial part too. That's important to be able to pay the bills. And there's also a sense, a real sense of accomplishment when you hit certain financial goals mm-hmm. and, and uh, benchmarks. So but that's, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question. We could probably spend a lot of time on that and probably something I need to spend more time thinking about. But I think another element of success that we have already reached is just being able to support our family. We have four kids and... And not just to support our family, but to support our family on our own terms. Mm-hmm. And even though it takes so much work, I mean, what they say, an entrepreneur is the only one who will work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. <laughs> <laughs> but, which, which is I true. heard that. That's a good one. I yeah. I heard that one. So you mentioned accounting kind of being one of the, one of the early challenges. What are some other things that have challenged you, you guys in the past three years? Oh, man. Maybe you should ask what's come easy, because that'll be a short <laughs> right? <laughs> what's not hard, huh? Yeah. I think that a big transition was, and I think my old boss would really appreciate this if he ever, if he ever heard this. When you're working with someone else's money, it changes everything. It makes, it just makes decision-making a lot easier. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. not in a good way. Mm-hmm. So when it becomes your own money, so when we quit our job, we basically forecast, like, okay, we have this much in savings, we can test this idea out for this long. If it doesn't work out, at, you know, by this date, we have to you know, go to plan B. And we were just living off of savings. You know, mm-hmm. We went from, from income to no income overnight. Mm-hmm. So when all of a sudden we were looking at, okay, where do we spend this marketing budget or you know what, where do we put this capital it was like oh my goodness this is our money now. Yeah. and overnight it was like this huge revelatory experience like oh I wish I would have 
understood this when at my old job. I think I would have been a better employee. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's just, mortgage money, that's grocery money. Yeah, that's, that's, stakes yeah. are a little higher, huh? Yeah, you know, my <laughs> kid's gonna get to you know get to play sports or have new clothes or whatever. There's yeah, the stakes are a lot higher. So and that helps. I think that really helps you hone your focus and and your decision making process. So that was that was an uh, interesting growing experience that I didn't anticipate at all. But when it's your own money, when you have skin in the game, it changes everything. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think I really like exploring this question of what it means to be an entrepreneur and the drive behind that. And so, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and sometimes people ask me, like, why? Why are you, you know, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And I, there's a lot of answers, but I often just kind of come back to, yeah, I don't know, I have this itch and I need to scratch it and it's just what I need to do. What To what extent is that true for you guys or are there things that you can really pinpoint there that you would say, that's why I'm an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I mean, we mentioned some of them already, but I think there's a creative itch that you scratch when you create a business from scratch um, and it's your own and you have real ownership over what you're producing and you know I, I think that that's huge um, also <laughs> I think the independence itch is huge right I mean there's a huge difference between um, doing what somebody tells you to do because they pay you money and you know and doing something that you think is going to create value for yourself. So I think, and for your customers, I mean, for everybody, that's the entrepreneur thinks about everyone. They're not just thinking about, you know, pleasing their boss or making money for themselves, Mm -hmm. going home with a paycheck. You have to really think about the value that you're creating in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it, it begs these bigger questions, right? And I don't know. So I think, if you are really an independent person, really creative person, and you like to have control over your time and your future, I just think there are lots of really appealing things about being an entrepreneur. Now, you know, we've talked a little bit about the flip side of that, which is what it takes, you know, the costs. Um, those are often higher than anticipated. Um, but I think the draws are definitely there. I think entrepreneurs have the ability to dream and to, to have these clear visions, whether that's their product or their, their service, what they want to accomplish in life. And when you have these goals, these you know aspirations, oftentimes this isn't true for, for everyone or every situation, but I think you, you see the clearest path to achieve those things by doing it on your own, being, being the boss, um, starting your own company. And there's been a lot of great stories about people that do that within corporations, um, small businesses. So you don't have to be your own boss to, to, to accomplish those types of things. But I think that, you know, we have this, this clear vision of what we want to accomplish. And it's always changing, but being our own boss really, for us, is the, is the path of least resistance to that overall goal. So I think that having, you know, really taking the time to, to ponder and think about what you want to achieve so you have this vision it's it's really motivating and inspiring to to be able to do the hard things to get there yeah idealism i think is a huge piece of this (laughs) right like Mm -hmm. i 
really do think that entrepreneurship can change the world. And I think entrepreneurs, you know, the best ones really have a clear idea of how they want to change the world and how they want to make things better. And, you know, the companies that grow out of that are, you know, a byproduct of, you know, just trying to reach that goal. So I think that that appeals to us as well. Like, we're pretty idealistic <laughs> people. So... So the last question that I, I wanted to ask you both is um, from actually, uh, so this podcast is based on how I built this. It's an NPR podcast. And Guy Raz, the host, at the end of his uh, interviews, he asks his guests, you guys smiling because you probably know what I'm going at, but uh, he always asks his guests at the end, you know, to what extent do you think your success thus far has been attributable to luck? And to what extent is it based on skill and hard work? And so I, I thought it'd be interesting to get your guys' perspective on that. Another awesome question. I think that it's, it might even be like 50-50. Mm-hmm. I, I, look, I think back on one of the really lucky things that happened to us. One of, one of my good friends owns a, um, a boutique clothing company. And they've done exceptionally well on Instagram. And he he was aware of my business, uh, you know, my um, that I had recently quit my job, and we had started this company. He was aware of that situation, and they always run giveaways. And he said, "Hey, you want to do a giveaway on our Instagram?" And that's really what opened us up to the idea of giveaways. We didn't even we hadn't even thought about it before. And so we collaborated with them first. Um, shout out to Called the Surf. That's the, the name of the company. And they're awesome. And that, that was our first giveaway, and it really kind of put us on the map. Um, I think we got over a 1,000 followers from that one giveaway. Wow. And it just opened up our mind to this new world of opportunity on Instagram. That was 100% luck. Mm-hmm. Just um, generosity for my friend and, and yeah, just luck for, for us. So that was a really lucky thing. Uh, it took a lot of hard work. Um, so it's definitely a combination, but... That so much luck is involved, really, just being in the right in the right place at the right time. So I, I don't know. I'd say 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I see all of the experience that you had in the industry before you even contemplated this business, and all the hard work that went into you being the entrepreneur first, really, um, at your job, creating the custom process from scratch over a period of years. You know, and I think about the businesses that we tried to start before, you know, that we kind of failed miserably at. We had no idea what we were doing. And, like, I don't know. I guess I guess I believe in luck, but I also believe that, you know, the work and the preparation is what makes you able to take advantage mm-hmm. of those moments. You make your so, own luck. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, and we're definitely grateful. Like, there are wonderful things serendipitous things that happen but you know if they happen and you're not ready then nothing will come of it and if you are ready then it's only a matter of time and they'll happen you know what I mean like I just think that's how the world works so I think you have to work there's no getting around the working hard part and and believe yeah believe that good things will happen because I think they will Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, 
and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.